0: Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Deep DeepCast. We're in a new location today, and we're going to be talking about customer interviews. So when Steve and I first started out, we were exploring the HR slash recruiting space, and neither of us knew a whole bunch about it, except for what we've learned um, by applying for jobs ourselves.
1: Right. So we knew literally nothing going in about the whole recruiting space, as we said before, So a lot of our time was spent just figuring out who the players are, who the competitors are, how do people even think, what do people like about recruiting, what do people don't like about recruiting. And because we had our own ideas, as we said, about the qualitative surveys and AI-driven data, whatever, to provide culture fit analysis. Um, And then we had to get to work on validating the problem. See if the idea we had in our head was even a good idea. Would it even work in the real world? So So, the way to do that is customer interviews.
0: Yeah. So that's where we actually started out is... All we knew about recruiting in HR was from what we were learning online, what we were researching. So we thought it would be extremely useful to actually talk to people. And um, at the time, we were still university students, so we didn't really have a huge network. Um, we thought about who in HR and recruiting we could reach out to. The obvious first choice was the people that we have interacted with um, while we were looking for jobs who were recruiters. And we just sent them an email that basically said, we're university students. We're trying to learn more about HR and recruiting. Do you have 15 minutes that you can talk to us? And just tell us about your job and about what you do.
1: And it really was that simple. Quite literally, it was that simple. It was figuring out a super just honest, raw email to past recruits that we've talked to because we've done interviews for tech companies primarily. So it was sending them uh, quick emails, just asking them, hey, do you have time? 15 minutes. I'm just trying to learn. That's all I want to do. Yeah. And, and usually people will go out on a limb and actually set up a phone call. Yeah. For
0: those first people, i would say we had close to an 80% success rate yeah, of people high. we emailed and actually
1: ended up with a phone call. That's because like, we already kind of knew them. And if we didn't super know them, then we had somebody introduce us to them because we have a lot of friends who work at tech companies and they all know their own HR people. Mm-hmm. So it was like, easy for us to get into tech companies. And then three months down the line, we realized we're kind of in a bubble where we were only talking about tech companies and we realized that the way people hire developers, the way people hire engineers, might be different than the way that they hire marketing or salespeople. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to see whether or not the ideas that we had would work at large.
0: Yeah, and the content for a lot of these first interviews were just us asking about their jobs, them detailing any problems that they have, um, it was literally just probably 90% us listening, or sorry, yeah, 90% us listening and talking 10% of the time. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, and like a lot of the questions literally be, um,
1: what have you worked on today or like what, what makes your job difficult? And even in the beginning, for me, it was at least the, even more basic. It was, what does your interview process look like? Yeah. Like, how do you judge technical fit? How do you judge behavioral fit? Because I know culture fit's a super big thing, so how do you even know, was that now a person's good culture fit? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, even yeah. for that, we didn't even know what every single company, what the process looked like. So I probably spent two weeks just hitting people up, learning what do they even do? What is the flow for candidates? Mm-hmm.
0: And this was super interesting for learning the process. And yeah. then also, it was ex- it was extremely useful learning the tools that the recruiters use. We learned about something called an ATS, which is an application tracking system, yeah. um, which almost all companies use that we didn't really know about. Um, and and this and researching the tools just helped give us a more holistic view of the
1: space. And then, again, the our goal was to validate one is culture. Not even validate, just figure out mm-hmm. was culture fit a problem? Did people have trouble gauging culture fit when they're interviewing? on both the job seeker side, as well as the HR hiring manager side. So a lot of the beginning questions, keeping that goal very, very clear in our heads, a lot of the beginning questions were geared towards, so how do you judge culture fit? Okay, and then dancing around trying to see what does that person do right after they get hired? Who does he work with? Who does he primarily interact with? And then to a few filler questions, and then probably towards the end, ask them something about retention rates. Like what job do you hire for the most? Because if they always hire for a junior developer, that probably means they have a higher turnover rate, which means lower retention rates, which means maybe it's a bad technical fit, but maybe it's also a bad culture fit. And so it's prepping and gathering all this context in the beginning, the way we would ask questions, so that we could see whether or not they had a retention rate problem. And if they did, if it seemed like they did, then the next phase of the customer interview was asking questions like, okay, so how do you judge for technical fit? Do you feel like the candidates you have uh, the candidates that come in, do you feel like they're qualified for the most part? And because of that, everyone would be like, no, yeah, they're good. We do a good job. We only hire people who know the languages, and we teach them when they're here, and we spend a lot of time you know, making sure that people know how to program. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, suggests that the technical fit part was there. The technical fit was there. So then it was the culture fit was because of the retention rate problem. And then that's when we got to more interesting questions like, what is your culture? How would you describe your culture? Um, what do you guys do? When a new person's onboarded, what does it look like for them? Who do they talk to? All that type of stuff. And through a few weeks of this and talking to, like, I don't know, five or six people every single week, both of us, maybe five people, both of us, so ten people every single week, we would ask these questions, and then after a few weeks, we realized that, yeah, culture fit actually is the problem. It seems like people have lower attention rates because of this culture fit problem.
0: Mm. And in these customer interviews, the information you're looking for isn't just, isn't obvious a lot of times. You have to like really think about how they interact to certain things you say or how they like act around a certain problem and you just need to like infer what their problems actually are.
1: Yeah, even when Russell said that it's 10% us talking, 90% them talking, that is not 10% of the time I'm talking, the rest of the time I'm sitting there in silence waiting for them to talk and just listening my brain is in overdrive when I'm sitting in those customer interview um, sessions. For those 15-minute phone calls, it's like I'm constantly thinking what the next three questions I should ask. And if they say something that suggests maybe they have a retention rate problem, possibly, hopefully, then I've already got two questions preloaded. So based off their answer, I can ask that question, keep it extremely seamless. And just to really tease out the type of data that I want from them, which, speaking to data, that's the other huge one that we're both super interested in is this problem of How do you talk to a person and get raw, valid feedback from them? Because if you just go up to some, like an HR manager, and tell them, I have a new idea for recruiting, and here's how we do it we use AI to judge whether or not this person is a good culture fit for you. Would your company buy this? Every single person would say, Yeah, that seems pretty good. I mean, yeah, of course, if it works, yeah, we, we would buy it. So at face value, it seems like every single person, you know, your idea is a gold mine, everybody loves it. But it turns out when you start digging deeper and it comes to people paying, there's a huge threshold where things actually need to be valuable. So asking blunt questions like that are not very useful to get valid feedback because everyone is super, super polite.
0: Yeah, for sure. And a book that we read that I recommend all of you guys check out as well was The Mom Test. It focuses on this concept of talking to people in a way where you're actually able to get like valid data from them instead of swaying them in a certain direction like saying, do you like this? Because that's always going to answer, or that's always going to end up in a yes. It's-
1: yeah, just Google the mom test, and then he, the author puts out an excerpt of the of his PDF. So you can just read that. Even just that preview was super helpful. Mm-hmm. And the mom sure. test is especially geared towards, I guess, tech people, where we're very used to programming, input-output, good data, mm-hmm. keep it flowing, keep building. Um, so the mom test is very much written for people who aren't used to kind of like research methods, honestly. These research survey methods to get good feedback. And the way he writes it, it's very colloquial. The like every single person could Mm -hmm. understand it. So that's the one thing I would actually highly recommend. Yeah.
0: And outside of customer interviews, it's useful in your personal life as well. Like anytime you want to get real data from someone, for example, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for your girlfriend, I mean you can use it to Ask the right questions, so if she doesn't say yes, she'll like your gift. Yeah. She doesn't actually. Yeah.
1: Because if you just say, would you like a bottle of wine? Everyone will say yes. Yes. Yeah. But turns out there's probably a better gift out there. So then it's about asking certain questions that it seems like it's beating around the bush. And I've had comments in interviews where the whole interview goes on or the customer interview goes on. And then towards the end, they're like, so wait, you're asking a lot of good questions. But I guess, what is it all for? Like, What are you trying to do here? And then that's when I finally tell them a deep hire. I tell them about what we're doing and why I'm asking these questions. What I'm trying to learn. What I'm trying to get from them. And I would say that's also another big thing, by the way. Yeah. Is, it is. quick feedback or quick tip. Don't walk in there. For a lot of people, of course, every situation is different. You should read mm-hmm. it. But for a lot of people, if you just walk in there and tell them that you're building a startup, all of a sudden their brain switches into like compliment mode. Yeah. Where all they do like they don't want to hurt your startup. They don't want to be rude. They want to be polite. So, yeah, you can't get the feedback you actually need. Yeah. It's like if I'm saying, yeah, I'm working on a startup. I'm coming out of university. It's to help people find jobs that based on culture fit. And then from then on, any question I ask, they know I have a personal stake in it, I feel. Yeah. So, they so don't, if they
0: say no, they don't like it. Yeah. It's basically insulting you.
1: Yeah. 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 And they want to spare your feelings just because they're nice people. Right? They're nice people. People aren't used to being very raw and open and brutal with each other. Mm-hmm. For sure, that honest feedback. Which, speaking of another thing, if this whole topic is interesting to you, look up Ray Dalio and the way he built Bridgewater Investments. Where for that whole one of the most successful investment firms in the in the world, they have a habit of recording every single meeting that they ever do and recording every interaction that happens with employees. So it sounds very Big Brother esque. And then they go through the recordings afterwards and fill out a sheet of, all right, how did I communicate? How did he communicate? What should we have talked about? What could we have done better? What was bad? And it was just extremely objective. Like, I know his big thing is to separate your ego, your emotions, from your communication, from your principles. So you can figure out what your principles are and then really be open to, it'll feel like you're getting attacked if you're super, super open with your communication, mm-hmm. but it's just being super open and killing the ego so you can just get raw feedback and continue on to improve. Which as entrepreneurs, you have to do. Yeah. Uh It's like, yeah, like when you're making a startup, it's like you're constantly getting pooped on from every single angle. And you have to know how to take all that criticism and all the negative feedback or just feedback in general in a very, very positive, constructive manner where it's, and for me, my tool for doing that, my mechanism is things like the mom test Mm -hmm. of sifting through all these emotional arguments, figuring out what actual core valid data points there are and then just cranking it through an algorithm in my head to say like, all right, maybe three people have said this, they all seem pretty important, this is pretty important. You know, versus if my mom says, and this is where mom comes from, if my mom says that my startup is awesome, probably not the best
0: data. Yeah, um, something else that was useful for customer interviews is you should always, every single customer interview you, should, you have, you should ask for some sort of introduction to someone else. Oh, that's a super good about. tip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for us, I would say, for every single person we talked to, we were able to get two or three connections. So, I mean, we started out with a small pool of recruiters, and then from that
1: pool, we were able to generate probably 30 or 40 other people that we were able to talk to. Which is insanely good. Yeah. Not, yeah. I feel like not a lot of people do that. They mm-hmm. do the interview, and then they say, bye, thank you, can I ask you any core questions if I have any questions this month or whatever? And then, of course, the other person says, yeah, sure, hit me up if you have any questions. I'm always happy to help because mm-hmm. of being polite. And then they just never talk to them again. And it's just like the value ends right there. But you can get more value out of the conversation just by citing in one more sentence like, yeah. Hey, do you know anyone else I can talk to? Can I talk and to one of your your employees? Can I talk to your boss? Yeah, I just have a few more questions yeah, about their job. Yeah.
0: And generally, generally,
1: people love to help. So they're more than happy to give you more connections. Especially when... And this is how, why I think we're rather good at customer interviews. Because we I feel like we've gotten pretty good feedback. Mm-hmm. Is the, One of the bigger reasons of that is because we're honestly... Just super open-minded and curious about what their job is, and people love talking about themselves. Yeah. So and (laughs) talking to themselves to an audience that cares. So like I've had hour-long customer interviews where I just ask one question and he just starts talking, and they ask another insightful question, and the person just gets excited that someone's interested in their job. Mm -hmm. So and it's exciting for me too because I love talking to people who love what they do. So it's honestly a win-win. You just have to be openly open-minded and openly curious about what they do, and I would say about 95% of people would totally match your level of enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. and even in that 5%, I would say maybe 4% of that, of the people who don't match enthusiasm, is because I've had a few interviews where they were just on a time schedule, they only had 10 minutes to talk because they had 3 more meetings right after that. So, it's like even then, they wanted to help, but they're just, so we had to reschedule and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So...
0: Once we started, after we learned about the HR space in general, by just talking to as many people as we could, we started to focus down a little more on what segments we were actually interested in. So at first, we were interested in the headhunter space, so we were able to find a couple connections that um, that were in headhunting. And talking to them gave a good opportunity to just learn about a different space, learn about Another, another subset of people's problems That we might be able to figure out and solve And Like There's When you, when you have an idea for a tool You have this niche where you think it's going to work But it could actually work better somewhere else But you, you don't really know that If you're only talking to one subset of people
1: Yeah so it's important to And the more people you talk to In all the different subsets Is super good because Then you start seeing similarities Like, Mm -hmm. for me, one of the bigger ones I saw was people in accounting, and people in sales, and people in marketing, and people in construction all suffer from the same problems. That's a hodgepodge of different, on the university level, of different, wildly different majors. It's like, how could you think that those four areas were super, super similar? But they all suffer from extremely similar problems, which is very exciting, because that means that if you can find, if you can identify that one niche, you have to identify that one niche that has that burning need for the problem. You solve it for that niche, and then you jump over to, let's say, sales, and solve it for that niche, and mm-hmm. then jump over to marketing, because mm-hmm. you've already identified, and you know the pathways, because they all share the same problems. Yeah. So for that, it's extremely useful. And I would also say another tip, practical advice. For, on the, for us, we had a two-sided market. We need job seekers, and we need employers. So employers, we had to go through more official channels, like LinkedIn, introductions, emails, cold emails, cold calls, all that type of stuff. For job seekers, I literally asked everybody I knew in my contact list when I was thinking about accounting. And I need to learn about accounting, how do accounting people get hired, why would somebody get rejected from an accounting job, why would someone leave their accounting firm, all that type of stuff. I literally walked down through, Rodney knows, I asked him for maybe four people from his frat, just who were in accounting majors. And then I talked to some people from Miami University, just went on my contact list, asked every single person. Hey, I'm trying to learn more about accounting and the accounting major. Do you know anyone? Or are you in accounting? And then just going down that, I spent, I don't know, six hours just grinding through and sending out messages. Yeah. And the result was I had like 20 different job seeker accounting customer interviews, mm. which even for then, it became the new task was just staying super focused and staying super energetic for every single one that yeah. week. Yeah. Something else that was pretty
0: useful from the customer interviews was this was a good opportunity to pick up on the language of like recruiting yeah. or whatever space that we're yeah. talking to. Which then helped a lot when you're talking to people for sales meetings because if you use different language, then they can tell that you're a newbie and you don't right. know you don't know a whole bunch about the space.
1: Yeah, it's part of becoming a domain expert is learning the vocabulary. Like when I was with the construction, exploring the construction uh, segment. I'd learn what a project engineer was, uh, what did they have to do, what a PM was, uh, PM versus PE, like project engineer versus manager, and then all their other like nuances of that field of how long does a typical construction job last?
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, and how much profit does a person typically make out of that? So and what does the dynamic look like? I actually didn't know that the head project manager would be there on site and he'd be like directing everyone and uh, finding all the contractors. And then there's another insight is that apparently they hire contractors. Like all the type of stuff. You have no clue. But it's so, so important to learn all these different nuances about the segment so that, like Russell said, when you go into a sales meeting, you can nail it and talk the same language in the same way that they do. And part of that is to one, show that you're even knowledgeable. Why would somebody pay $2,000 a month on your service if you don't even know that much? You know, it's like money to burn. How would that be useful for them? And the second is it makes them very, very comfortable, right? For us... It also made them very surprised because people did not expect for a 22-year-old to be able to know the lingo about recruiting and know what the processes look like and the timelines and the compensation periods and all that type of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was, it was a very interesting dynamic. And if I'm being truly honest, I still don't know exactly how to capitalize on that surprise.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, I know that yeah. moment of surprise comes in every single meeting that we ever have for sales, but I still don't know exactly how to. So that's a very interesting, interesting dynamic to figure out.
0: Um, I think we're running close to out of time now. Do you have any final remarks? Check out the mom test.
1: Yeah. Look up the mom test uh, as a piece of very practical advice. Look up the mom test. Just read through. It's a very short read. I think like yeah. 60 pages in a PDF. Think, like yeah. 100 or whatever. 100, 140. Yeah. Wow. You know it exactly. Yeah. Wait, uh, so it's a my very...
0: girlfriend read it yesterday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a very short read. It will help a lot. The way it's written is very, very good. Um, we'll put out links in whatever platform we're on. And I really hope it'll help. I really think it'll help a lot in the way you validate your problem, the way you approach these customer interviews. And hopefully through the mom test, you realize just how important it is to get that raw, honest feedback from people.
0: Yeah. Hopefully next week we'll, uh, we'll bring James Hilton in from the bit Factory to talk for a little bit. And we'll see you guys then.